And everybody said, what a wonderful morning of worship. Those joining us online and in, and in the room today, we are so glad that you're here and joining us as we worship together. I have missed you. I am glad to be back home. Thank you for praying with for me while I was away. Some of you say, I didn't know you were gone. And uh, no, many of you know that I've been gone. I was uh, away in uh, Romania and... Uh, uh, the Lord opened an opportunity for us to go and minister among refugees from the Ukrainian war uh, with uh, Russia. And you, you know our churches had a partnership with uh, Ukraine in multiple visit, uh, trips there and in Romania. I was able to stay at Brother Benny Andrews' home, a pastor there in Lugos, Romania. And we visited refugee centers in Romania Timisoara area, other uh, towns in Romania and larger cities, and uh, were able to take to them your love, your care, your concern, that they would know that you're praying for them. We were able to, to provide thousands of dollars of relief and aid and food and resources that they desperately need. And God did open the door for us to actually go to the border of Ukraine. We passed through the border, went into Ukraine itself, and there ministered in a refugee center in Ukraine. And uh, it was amazing watching a church transformed into a refugee center. They still have worship services. All the Sunday school classrooms in the entire building turned into dormitories cafeteria, uh, cooking center. They, they put up big tents outside, even though it's freezing cold. And in 30 degree temperatures, 240 to 250 people being fed twice a day. And your, your love, your support, your resources helped us to, in a tangible way, say, I know you don't know anything about Troy, Illinois but there are people praying for you and they care about you. And we were able to give them a tangible touch and uh, pray with them. And our hearts were deep, my heart was so encouraged by their faith. They, meeting people who've lost everything. I met a group of teenagers living in a refugee center Brothers and sisters, 16, 17, 19, and their entire family was killed. And they found them in a barn, huddled in fear. And now they live together in a refugee center, going to school with great faith in a God that sustains them. What an amazing, comforting Savior we have. Amen? Amen. So I bring back to you greetings from those churches and places where I had the opportunity to go. Amen. Are you all awake this morning? Would you open your Bible today to the book of Deuteronomy? And we're in chapter number 18. And so today's message is we're thinking about this Christmas uh, Advent, the coming of the Lord Jesus, we think about what does it mean, the coming of 
not only the Messiah, the anointed one, the king, but also what does the coming of Jesus mean for us? He's not only Messiah, he is Savior. Not only a Savior, he comes fulfilling all of the prophecies concerning himself that are found in the Scripture and about the offices of, 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 of the coming one that God promised to us. And so if you find with me chapter 18 of Deuteronomy, beginning with verse 15, these are the words of Moses and his prophecy, and the, this is the word of God. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. Now, no, notice this word. You must listen to him. This is what you requested from the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not continue to hear the voice of the Lord our God or see his great fire any longer so that we will not die. Then the Lord said to me, they've spoken well. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. And I will hold accountable whoever does not listen to my words that he speaks in my name. But the prophet who presumes to speak a message in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet must die. You may say to yourself, how can we recognize a message the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the Lord's name and the message does not come true or is not fulfilled, that is the message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. Father, as we look into this text today and other texts that you lead us to today, I pray that we would understand that Jesus Christ was no ordinary man, but he indeed was the prophet of God. Father, I pray that today that our hearts would be encouraged, and Lord, that we all would heed his voice. In Jesus' name, Amen. Today I want us to think about this idea as Jesus, as the prophet of God. And as we think about it, I want us to consider what was a prophet of God? How was Moses a prophet of God? How was Jesus a prophet like Moses? And how will you respond to his message? The offices of Jesus our Savior and God's Son are described as the offices that we see in the Old Testament in God's relationship to his people. There's the king that came late in Israel, later in Israel's history. <coughs> Pardon me. And the king was the anointed one, and the Messiah would come from the lineage of the great king David. There's not only the king, but there's the priest. 
And so the high priest and Jesus is our high priest. But also Jesus is our prophet. He is the prophet. And so the prophet was important to the, to the people of Israel. What is the prophet of God? First of all, the prophet of God, we might have some misunderstanding about what it means to be God's prophet. The, God's prophet was a foreteller of the truth of God. The foreteller heard by revelation what God had spoken to him, and he declared it to man. It wasn't some magical soothsayer or fortune teller. That was not the Old Testament prophets. Yes, some wore weird clothes from time to time. Some had eccentric uh, ways. But one of the great prophets was Moses himself. It was not some kind of the prophet of God, some kind of educated guesser. That's not who he was. He wasn't some kind of mystic fortune teller. He wasn't some early televangelistic huckster. He was, he or she, and both men and women, prophesied. And it was a message of warning and instruction that led to repentance and hope. The prophet of God called people to change their ways. They spoke as they had been spoken to. And it was an authentic message that came by the revelation of God. So that often the Old Testament prophets prefaced what they had to say with hear the word of the Lord. Or thus saith the Lord. Because the message was not just theirs. It was a message that came from God. It was proclaimed in a contemporary setting. It had meaning in that contemporary setting. But sometimes the message transcended even that contemporary setting and had meaning in an elevated enlightenment speaking of times in the future and how God would act. And we just read that in the prophecy in Isaiah with the lighting of this candle. A moment ago. The message was a revelation to man of his will and God's intentions and what he is doing and going to do for his own glorious purposes. A prophet of God was also an intercessor. The prophet of God not only spoke to the people about what God had to say, but the prophet of God stood and talked to God about his people prophet was a man of prayer. We see this in Moses and other Old Testament prophets. The other thing, the prophet's message always came true. Whatever he preached, it was true because it came from God. And prophets that went about prophesying and their words did not come true, then they were false prophets and they were not to be listened to. The message always calls men to change, to faith, and to repentance. The second thing I want us to consider today is how was Moses a prophet of God? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
Look with me, if you will, to the book of Exodus. Do you have your Bible? And chapter number three, and I think we'll put it on the screen as well. Exodus chapter three. Notice, this is a story that you're familiar with. While Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. An angel of the Lord appeared to him of flame, of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw the bush was on fire, but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Do not come closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I've observed the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know their sufferings. And I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. So the Israelites cry for help has come to me, and I've also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Do you see it? Here's Moses was the prophet of God because he received a revelation from God with a commission to go and proclaim that revelation to God's people and to Pharaoh. He said, I'm sending you. Moses said, but who am I that you'd send me? He said, and, and if they ask me, what's your name? What am I going to say? And he said, I am who I am. And you tell them that I am has sent you. And when you preach, they will listen to you. And you go to the elders. Verse number 16. He says, you go to the elders and you gather them together and you tell them that I've heard and I've heard their prayers and, and I've seen what they've gone through. Notice in verse 16, assemble the elders and say, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me and said, I've paid close attention to you and what's been done to you in Egypt. Listen, he said, God has heard and seen. And you go and tell those elders. And Moses did. Moses, God used him and Aaron as mouthpieces to speak the word of God to the people of God. He was commissioned to proclaim God's message. So how is Jesus like Moses? Oh, watch how Moses, God used Moses. And then Jesus comes. Watch. And he was commissioned to proclaim the good news to God's people. He acted in holy boldness. Who did? Moses. Moses was a fugitive. He was wanted for murder in Egypt. 
He had been living his life in Midian, in the middle of nowhere. He, he encounters this burning bush on a mountain in the middle of, of the wilderness. And it's Mount Horeb, but later it becomes known as the mountain of God. It's where he encounters God. And when he does, he sees, hears God's voice. And when he hears God's voice, he said, Moses, he says his name. You know God's got your name when he says your name. And he said, here I am. And he said, take off your shoes. Because you're on holy ground. And he falls to his face. What would you do? It was, it was an encounter with the living God. Changed Moses forever. Moses goes and he says to Pharaoh, you let my people go. And he says to God's people, God has heard your cry. God has seen your oppression. God has, God has not forgotten us. Come on, let's go. They even doubted him at first, but he, he persuaded them. God gave him miracle abilities to signs and wonders. And with an outstretched, powerful arm, God rescued his people out of slavery, out of bondage, out of hopelessness. And he provided a lamb and the lamb was slain and the blood was put over the doorpost and God passed over in death and judgment. But God's people were rescued and he led them through the Red Sea and he destroyed their oppressors and he led them to a promised land. That's the mighty prophet Moses. Moses received the law of God. Moses explained the law of God so the people might obey it. Moses helped teach them how to worship God in holiness. There's no greater man in all of the Old Testament than Moses. But God said he would send one like him, but greater than him. And that's the prophet. And that's who the Lord Jesus is. Now look with me how Peter interprets and understands this prophecy in Acts chapter number three. Do you have your Bible? Acts chapter 3, beginning with verse number 22. Moses said, this is Peter preaching in Acts chapter 3, preaching in Solomon's colonnade. He's preaching after God has powerfully healed this lame man. And there's a large crowd there and Peter is preaching and it says it's by the name of the one that you killed, that you rejected. He is the source of life, this holy and righteous one that you murdered in verse 14. And it's by faith in this, his name, this man stands here healed. And he says, brothers and sisters, you acted in ignorance but God's fulfilled what he predicted through all of the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. Then he says, repent, turn from your, your sins may be wiped out and seasons of refreshing may come from the Lord. 
And then he says in verse 22, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among, among your brothers. You must listen to everything he tells you. Listen to him. He's above all others. And everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from my people. This is who Jesus is. In the book of Hebrews, chapter number one, it says, long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us, how? By his son. And God appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. So he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. This is Jesus, unlike any other man. He is the prophet of God. Amen? I'm telling you, if this doesn't make you happy, something's wrong. God has visited his people, and he's given us the greatest message in all the world. Do you remember in Matthew's Gospel, chapter seven, interesting, 17, interesting story. Jesus takes uh, three of the 12, Peter, James, and John, and they go up on top of a mountain, on a high mountain, unnamed. And as they come to this mountain, there the Lord becomes, he becomes glowing and shining and translucent. And, and Peter and James and John are lo looking at him. And all of a sudden, two other men show up. Who are they? Moses and who? Elijah. And so here, these two great Old Testament figures representing the man of God, the Moses, the mighty man, the mighty prophet, the mighty leader, the giver of the law, and Elijah, mighty, miracle-working prophet, powerful. And Jesus is talking with the two of them. Now, how is that for a Bible study group? And what did, you, what did Peter do? Well, when Peter didn't know what to do, he just blurted out whatever he's thinking. And he said, oh, Lord, it's too good. We could be like here. Uh, uh, let's just build three tabernacles, three shelters, three tents for the three of you as if they're on the same plane. And a cloud comes down out of heaven. And Moses and Elijah are gone. And a voice said, now listen. This is my son. Listen to him. That's exactly what 
It said in Deuteronomy concerning that prophet that would come, listen to him. He is unlike any other prophet. And the disciples fell on their face. He came. We see it again and again. Jesus was unlike anybody, anything anybody ever seen. Wouldn't you love to go back and just live in those days and see how Jesus walked on the face of this earth? I'm so glad we have the Gospels, aren't you? To give us insight into who our Savior was. In Mark's Gospel, chapter number one, do you have your Bible? Look. In Mark's Gospel, chapter number one, in verse number 21, and they went to Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. And they were astonished at his teaching, because it was teaching them as one who had authority, and not like the disciples. Mark that. He taught them as one who had authority, and not like the scribes. And when a man with an unclean spirit was in the synagogue, he cried out, now, this would make for an interesting church service, wouldn't it? You're in the synagogue, you're in the place of worship, and there's a man there with a demon. And the demons began crying out, verse 24, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Well, that would put goosebumps on your back of your neck, wouldn't it? And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent! Come out of him! What happened? The unclean spirit threw him into convulsions. He shouted with a loud voice and came out. They were all amazed. They began to ask each other, what is this? A new teaching with authority. And he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. The Gospels, especially Mark and Matthew as well, they, they, again, are intentional of showing us the authority of Jesus. He's no normal prophet, no normal teacher. He has authority over demons. He has authority over disease. He had authority to forgive sins. He had authority over the Sabbath. He had authority over death. He had authority over the winds and the waves. Jesus was no ordinary man. When he spoke, it was unlike anyone else. He came preaching repentance. That's what prophets do. In Mark's gospel, chapter number 1, verse 14 and 15, it says, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news. And this is his message. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is near. Repent. And believe the gospel. Jesus called men to repent and turn to God. He came teaching and explaining the law of God. Isn't that what Moses did? But Jesus did it more, even more perfectly. In Matthew's gospel, the beloved text that we love so much, that has to do with the, sermon, the, sermon, the record of the Sermon on the Mount, I think it's so beautifully told here in Contained for us in God's word. And Jesus helps us understand the law of God. He begins with those wonderful blessings. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. 
And blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. And blessed are the humble because they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness because they shall be satisfied. And blessed are the merciful because they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart because they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers because they'll be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And blessed are you when men persecute you, insult you, say all manner of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. So they, prof so they persecuted the ancient prophets who were before you. Jesus is preaching. He's preaching from this sermon. He's preaching it about relationships. And he says, but your righteousness must exceed the scribes and the Pharisees. What does that mean? He said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And the law doesn't pass away, but I'm telling you, I've come so that you might understand the law. And you need a righteousness that's greater than the scribes and Pharisees. I don't want perfunctory religion. I don't want just <coughs> you keeping all these ceremonial laws. I want your life. I want you to be rightly related to God Amen. and to one another. To learn to love, to love even your enemies. And to forgive, forgive others, their trespasses, even as they have trespassed against you. That if you don't forgive, neither will your Father forgive you. You forgive from your heart. And don't, be, don't spend your life anxious and worried about everything and the clothes you're going to wear, the houses you live, all the things that you gather. He said, your life's not found in this world. It's greater. There's life more to life than that. And he really summarizes the law. And he says, treat others as you want them to treat you. What he's saying is, love. It's, it's all the law is about loving. It's about, number one, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second half of the tablet is to love your neighbor as yourself. And you're to love God, love people, love your enemies. Treat them like you want them to treat you. Don't judge other people. Don't live in fear and anxiousness. Don't manipulate your relationships. And don't disguise hate with religion. I hate that. So he gives us all the woes that are found in the 23rd chapter of Matthew. And he taught that you must. Now listen, you cannot do this by yourself because of your sin. Amen. You must be born again. Born from above, and God changing your heart and writing his law of love on you. This is what our Savior came. He came revealing God to us. And John said, no one has ever seen God, the one and only Son who is himself God, is at the Father's side, and he has revealed him. John 1, 18. Jesus revealed God to us in his own flesh. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. 
Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And so we see it in Jesus' life. Stay with me. I, I don't have a lot of funny jokes today. I, a lot of funny stories. I want you to listen to me. This is the most important message I have for you. Our Savior came showing us what God was like. He loved sinners. Aren't you glad? Anybody here glad that God loves sinful people? Amen. He loves sinners. He loved rejects. Anybody here glad God loved rejects? Amen. He loved the lame. He loved the blind. He loved the poor. He loved the outcast. He loved Gentiles. Anybody glad about that? Amen. He loved Samaritans. Amen. He loved. He loved people that screwed up and messed up their life. He loved. And so the gospel writers said the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There's never been one like Jesus. Amen. He came bringing us hope. Listen, he, you remember when he fed the 5,000? After they finished picking up all those baskets and all the people were filled and satisfied, you know what they said? They said, this is the prophet. This is him. He came bringing us hope. Aren't you glad Jesus brings us hope? Jesus stood outside of a tomb where a man who died that he loved. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they do follow me. And I give eternal life to them and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Aren't you glad about that? And aren't you glad that he said, I am the light of the world? Aren't you glad that he said, I'm the vine you are the branches, he that abideth in me and I in him. The same brings forth much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing. Aren't you glad that he said that and that you can be rightly related to him and his life can be in you? Aren't you glad he said that? Aren't you glad that he said, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid? Aren't you glad he said he's with us always? Aren't you glad that he said, don't let your heart be anxious? You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Aren't you glad he said that? What other man could say such audacious things? Only the prophet of God. And aren't you glad that every word that he ever said came true? And aren't you glad you can count on everything that he said? And aren't you glad he said he'd give us the promised Holy Spirit and he would not leave us orphans? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he gathered his disciples on the Mount of Olives and gave him that glorious Olivet discourse and looked at Jerusalem and all the buildings and said, some days they will be destroyed, but I want you to know I'm coming again and I'm coming in authority and I'll set up my kingdom. Aren't you glad? 
Aren't you glad that he commanded us to love? When he brought his disciples in the upper room and he showed his love and he washed their feet and he gave us the Lord's Supper and so we can remember. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he brought us alongside and said and counseled us and told us about the coming of the Holy Spirit? And aren't you glad that he commanded us to love? And he says, a new commandment I give you to love one another as I've loved you, so love one another. Aren't you glad that he said by this, all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another? Aren't you glad that he said... That, that, that this is my command to love one another as I have loved you? Aren't you glad that he taught us that we didn't understand it? It was something we couldn't understand. We, we before looked that there would be coming a prophet. We before looked that there would become the anointed one, the Messiah. But there was this other figure we didn't fully understand. But aren't you glad that the prophet explained to us that the suffering servant in Isaiah was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he died in your place. And he died in mine. And he rose again. And aren't you glad that he taught us? And then he showed us. And he laid down his life and he died for us. Aren't you glad? That's the prophet of God. He's unlike any other man. And aren't you glad that he's coming again? And aren't you glad that we'll see him as he is? And we will be like him. Aren't you glad? That's the meaning of this great prophet. Hmm. So how you respond? How do you respond? If you do not listen to him, then you're cut off. You have no hope. Because our only hope is found in the one that God provided for us. In Hebrews chapter number three, listen to the scripture. And I'm going to skip down to verse number seven. Today, if you hear his voice, the voice of the Lord, the prophet of God, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion or the day of testing in your wilderness. Notice in verse number 11, I swore in my anger they will never enter my rest. How will you respond? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. That's the prophet of God. I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So how will you come to him? I submit to you this morning as we close. You must come to him humbly. You don't come with him to him with pride and you don't come to him flippantly and you don't come to him bringing your righteous deeds as if you've earned some favor. You come to him with no works and no plea other than God, I'm broken and I need you.
Secondly, you come repentantly. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many of y'all believe that? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Praise team, please come. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Bible says that we must come trustingly, believing and trusting and depending on God. The Bible says Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scripture. And if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Greatest news I know in all the world. But you must come to him. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. He's calling. He's calling you. Will you come? Genuinely? Repentantly? Humbly? Trustingly? The prophet of God, the son of God, is the only one who can save you. Amen. And his name is Jesus. Amen. The only way, not multiple, only one. And you shall name him Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Father, thank you for your word. It's powerful. It's true. It's life-changing. But Father, I thank you for the truth that Jesus was a real man and the real God-man and the real prophet. Oh, Father, if there's somebody here today, and I, I, I can't help but imagine in a crowd like this today, there's somebody sitting here that's never really given their life to Christ. And they feel lost. They know that they're separated from you. I pray that today they would simply turn by faith and say, God, a prayer like this, dear God, I've made a mess of my life. I've gone the wrong way. I've sinned. I've rebelled. And I don't have anything good to deserve anything. But I believe Jesus is your son. And I believe he's the prophet of God, the Messiah, the son of God. God, all I know is the best I know. I'm turning. And I'm turning to you. And I ask you to forgive me. And I believe that you died for me. And I believe you rose again. And I want to live for you. God, I ask you to save me. Thank you, God, for loving me. I trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen.